0: So uh, I finished my marathon of Harry Potter movies.
1: Oh, nice, man!
0: I uh, think the last two, they they cap off what David Yates starts with the fifth movie. Yeah, five and six almost feel like just leading up, and then seven, one and two are just huge payoffs. And his direction is so different than what they start the the franchise with. With um. Chris Columbus, he does, right. you know, his his the first two movies feel almost like Home Alone because he did the I don't know if you know that That's the same director of Home Alone. Oh, yeah. When I watch Home Alone, I almost get a similar feeling of like just a kid with all of these new just amazing things in front of him, but also like the fear of that. And then all of a sudden, as Harry gets older and they change directions and David Yates takes over, it's completely different. And I feel like five and six, like I said, are just leading up to that but
1: man and he does such a good thing with it he takes it in such a good direction i mean yeah
0: i feel like he does this really unique like method of making things feel like wizards in the real world you know what i mean by that yeah the first movie almost doesn't feel like the real world even in the real world like harry's life feels you know like drawings out of It feels like the illustrations in the books, the first two movies. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by that? Just like things, him living under the closet, like no one, that just is ridiculous almost, but it works because it's a movie. Right. And then I feel like five, six, seven, especially four even, but four you don't really see as much of uh, the non-wizarding world, I noticed. Five, six, and seven really incorporate like the quote unquote muggle world. And whenever they do, it's so cool. It's like flying broomsticks through traffic in London, and it right. looks just like... Oh, so cool. You know? I, I don't know. I love moment. that Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, think that's one of my favorite moments in the series.
1: I have a good link, actually, to something that I saw uh, in the past week uh, to, to what you were talking about, and... The link in my head is what I watched was, <laughs> which route am I going down here? The link in my head, the route, uh, routing, so routing back to the link that's in my head, the roundabout, that's the uh, cul-de-sac <laughs> that uh, relates. I watched The Two Towers. Uh, uh, Even I watched The Fellowship of the Ring for, uh, uh, I don't know, like over a month ago. And I've been dying to get to Two Towers, and we finally got to it again. Obviously, the extended editions, which are, in my opinion, the only way to watch them. Although, we did have to do it (laughs) two separate nights. Like, watch the first half one night, second half one night.
0: Understandable. But I I can't... I've been trying to convince the house here to watch them, and just the length alone has been making it tough.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it, but also... It's. I would watch that any day. <laughs> it's the only. Week. literally, yeah. <laughs> but I'm watching, and Gollum is was such a a technology breakthrough of the time. It was like amazing the the quality of, and I'm not saying it's not still amazing and it doesn't still work. Like I think so, like that those movies are beginning to be dated. They're almost 20 years old. You know. Yeah,
0: there there are certain aspects where you're like. Oh, okay. right. You know,
1: and I could see like in another ten years being like, "Wow, these like I finally get, you know, movies my dad showed me or whatever," and he's like, "This, look at how incredible it is." And I'm yeah, going, like right, King Kong. Hell. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> it,
0: Lee, if you're listening, I'm not saying uh, you grew up watching <laughs> King Kong. Just an example <laughs> of a great technological advancement that might, you know, seem a little bit less so to someone born in this era oh anyway. shit
1: our call's being interrupted i'm getting a text from my dad that says fuck you gary i hate you never talk to me again <laughs> um but <laughs> wow how did he already hear th- <laughs> i remember um watching harry potter seven the seventh movie and the uh s- slight spoilers but if you haven't seen harry potter go fuck yourself i think i don't know yeah um, read it Dab- first to dobby's death man Oh, yeah. I just remember being like, holy fuck, that is a real, that is, that, not that kidding. is not house elf.
0: I actually just re-watched Seven Part One last night after yeah. finishing it, just, like, in the background while I was editing some things and, like, uh, writing a video. Yeah. And I had to just put everything down and watch the, se- the final, oh. you know, like, ten minutes of the movie. Yeah. Sobbing. I, and I wasn't even, it doesn't even feel like a thing the movie is leading up to the whole time it just kind of comes out of nowhere yeah. but in a good way in not a good way in a in a effective way
1: oh my gosh yes. honestly they it is one of the most effective cgi moments for me personally that i think maybe i've ever seen
0: i would say it's absolutely on the list with things like uh, i'd have to rewatch it but king kong the first time i watched the peter jackson king kong i don't know there's something about his face. Oh, yeah, the other King Kong. <laughs> oh, my dad just wow. texted
1: me that you are allowed to speak to him again. Okay, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> awesome.
0: Um, But I remember being a kid and Gollum being kind of one of those, but I actually recently rewatched them, too, uh, months ago, but still recently enough to sure. know exactly what you're talking about. That feeling of, like, a, okay, I can see how they almost... I almost can kind of see how they did it, you know? But I think what's still amazing about that movie is... Uh, the way that they, they did it for some scenes, like the, okay. The scene where he's like rummaging through a stream, trying to catch a fish. Yeah. The way they did that was oh. they had a guy actually do that. Oh, so all that the water is all real. All the splashing water is from a dude scrambling through a stream and then they painted him out and then they had Andy circus do it. And then they, oh. you know what I mean?
1: Well, so it's like the Andy movements Circus are all. was on set the whole, every scene yeah. that Gollum's in. Andy Circus yeah, was there it's doing It's all that. real movements. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So like what they would do for, you know, obviously Andy Circus can't. Well, maybe they he did his own stunts. I don't know. But um, from what I can understand for things like that, where it's like the water spraying up around him they had to do it like four times because one of the times is just for the water. Right. One of the times is for Gollum. Hmm. One of the times is for uh, the rendering itself. of the actual, yeah, sure. just the wide. And somehow years and years and years later, if you pause it at any frame, it's it doesn't look like fake. It right. I mean, I think the thing that they do best with him is make him just 10% an animated character like 10% mm. cartoon mm. like his eyes are just a little too big or something yeah. his feet are a little too square something sure. about him is just enough to where even if like in 15 years he doesn't age well at all it almost won't matter cuz it won't be like a this real human being and he's right. like uncanny valley it'll just be a CGI character and you and his emotions will still get across because the performance is brilliant yeah it's just those uh those little textures and things like that that i think i think they kind of went a route of making it just animated enough you know
1: totally there's one other thing i want to highlight and uh vouch for to you personally um before we get into the real protein the black bean patty of the podcast um (laughs) gravity falls do you know about this show i've heard of it it's it's a kid's I, show. Um it's well, yeah, I mean it's an animated show. I mean it's technically for kids, but there's it's one of those that there are some moments where it's like, holy fuck. <laughs> like I would <laughs> definitely have nightmares if I saw this as a kid. Um it's it's basic it's basically a I was talking about monster of the week shows last, last episode. It's basically a kid's version of that, an animated kids Monster of the Week show. And it's oh that sounds awesome. Fantastic. Eva has been showing oh, really? Sam and I honestly one of the better shows that I've like ever seen. It's two seasons. Do you have Disney Plus? I do. It's on there? Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Highly Uh-oh. recommend it. You will get hooked immediately, I guarantee it. Um the setup is just it's just perfect. It's these two twins. Oh my god. And the thing I wanted to mention is uh all-star voice cast. The entire ca- like, the main guy, his name is like Jason Ritter, I think. He's not. Oh, been in him much I know that Jason. I don't know. I I think or, I
0: know him though. What is? I'm I'm not why sure. Is that familiar to me. I, I looked him Go up ahead, and, and, and
1: he didn't know. I I didn't know. Uh, pretty much anything else he was in. But among the reoccurring cast, Kristen Shaw is the other like main character. Like yeah. John DiMaggio, who's Bender among (laughs) other things, like that's the you know his big role. Linda Cardellini, dude. Linda Cardellini is one of the main cast characters. Justin Roiland of Rick and Morty is on a ton of episodes, and the one I wanted to mainly highlight because he is in the episode we're about to talk about. Kevin Michael Richardson. Oh, I have. He, something yes dude maybe oh, the best voice actor holy, ever he i was looking he's at got... his imdb before this episode <laughs> he has been in everything everything he's yeah. probably me the too most dude prolific I was, voice actor i
0: as soon we'll get to it but as soon as i heard him yeah. in this episode for the first time i just paused it and went and i looked him up and like realized <laughs> yeah. all this and i just my mind was blown we probably yeah. had the same moment happen to us yeah
1: man He's but it was even eight. more significant because he's he's this awesome reoccurring character in gravity falls and i had just looked him up and i was like oh i love this voice actor and then i heard his voice i'm gonna in have this to stop episode this, episode this like, podcast early and go yeah. watch gravity falls Sorry. Oh. <laughs> peace you know, Yeah, i'll edit it together <laughs> later and stitch it together well this is a new lens uh um, welcome where gary and i here talk about Shows from the past that we've enjoyed, uh, TV and film, from the past that we've enjoyed through the new lens of amateur filmmakers. And you know what? I uh, took the summary last time. Why don't you give us a little uh, sum up of this episode before we dive in? Sounds
0: great. Um, It's a pretty simple one. Uh, Another one of those, I'd like to call these uh, uh, pit stop episodes. You know, they're on this big adventure, but every now and then they make little pit stops. Um, this is probably my favorite Pit Stop episode of the first season. They, uh, the gang finds themselves super hungry, down to the last few nuts in the woods, and <laughs> they hear some noises. They go to investigate and find an earthbender. Um, he's like their age, maybe 16 or something, and they follow him back to his village, where it turns out earthbending is not only forbidden, but all the earthbenders have been captured by the Fire Nation, who has taken over this village. So, of course, Katara finds it in herself to get this guy to Earthbend, actually saving a man, and that man betrays him. We'll get to that moment, but it ends up causing him to be thrown into this uh, imprisonment with all of the other Earthbenders, and Katara and the gang go to save him.
1: When you said the the, uh, title of this episode at the end of our last cast... I was, I, my memory was jogged and I was like, oh wait, is it that episode? I thought this was later in the show for some reason. But yeah, this is the sixth episode. Like,
0: It really does feel like an episode out of a later season almost. It feels mature. You right. know?
1: I think that's part, I, I think that's why. Because the real world consequences are so developed and it's very mature. But let's just start off right at the beginning. I mean, we have this, uh, yeah, uh, a, a great musical moment in with the intro, the the title card. Um, I was asking you before we started recording to help me look up that that Japanese instrument. What what was it called again?
0: The Gujang. It's
1: a Gujang. It's a Chinese, Chinese instrument. Yeah, that's right.
0: Um, Zither, which is basically like it's like a box that you sit down and it has strings across it. It's kind of like if you can imagine just like the base of a guitar, but giant and on the ground, and then you slide things across it to make the pitch slide and pluck the strings as well as strumming them. And it's very complicated. It probably, I would imagine it's probably extremely hard to uh, be good at. God, it has such a distinct um, And it's sound. a prominently used instrument yeah. in this in this show for sure. We've definitely um, had
1: distinct moments in the show already that have had like a just a strum of the string of that, prom yeah, uh, but we get one at the beginning of this episode, and then I just wanted to highlight the 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 background art, you know, uh, like the opening scene of them in the woods, this like waterfall. Oh, platform I totally that thought they're beautiful, just gorgeous. Like the the work that goes into just that little, you know, setup screen. Incredible!
0: The lighting of this episode mm-hmm. is beautifully done. Yes, I've... from the first moment throughout, yeah. the way that you can see time passing. Just I, I actually I don't know if this is a kind of like a cheating thing, but after I finished it, I was like, that looked really cool. I'm just gonna fast forward through the whole episode again, mm-hmm. and I fast forwarded through it on like three times speed, yeah. and it was so cool how you could watch the daylight rise and lower scene to scene just because it's on fast forward so frames cut together a little differently. Yeah. It's just all of a sudden it was really cool. This episode was uh dynamic as
1: hell. Oh, it's those little things. It's that sort of artistic uh attention to detail of the, the sun rising and setting and at what time of the day is this scene taking place and what angle is the sun at and what color is the light?
0: The way they do that even affects like the themes of the scenes, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, hey, it's a beautiful sunset or it's a, a sinister sunset. That's a thing on this show, you know? A sinister sunset. I never thought I'd see one, <laughs> Yeah, but you do. Um, I love how er- this early on we see them, like, struggling to find food, mm-hmm. like, early on in the show, I mean, because yeah. it's not something I feel like a lot of adventures, which, sh- you know, it's it's something you think about, but it'd be hard to show... Uh, enter- in an entertaining way, right? Like, oh, they're running out of food, they're running out of water. This is a hard thing. They're kids on an adventure across the world,
1: having to learn. They don't just to be like scavengers. have a
0: ton of money and a ton of yeah, right. and like he. It's not like Sokka can just go out and come back with a boar or something. <laughs> he comes back with a bunch of nuts because he doesn't know how to hunt. Right. He's from the South Pole, mm-hmm. like he might be able to hunt something there, mm-hmm. but this is a completely different environment. And um, I think it's cool that the show. Is willing to do that, like put these like kids, you know. I imagine watching this as a kid, it'd probably be a little bit scary, like thinking, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean they don't have any food. They're out there in the middle of nowhere in the woods. And like
1: we got a hint of that moment in the Southern Air Temple with all of the comedy of Sokka being hungry, but he was the only one really that was hungry. And it was more of yeah, a now comedic it's thing. This was serious. legit. Like, hey, we have nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That one might be a rock, but like... Momo's trying to eat one of our, like, four nuts. (laughs) You know? Speaking of that, though, I love that moment where he's trying to break the nut (laughs) and he drops it and... (laughs) And (laughs) and he freaks out and then he goes to, like, drop it again and it happens again at the perfect time.
0: You almost wonder if he just genuinely thinks he's an earthbender at that point. You know? Probably. The uh, way that they establish this new town that they're they're going to it's the first time we're seeing an actual not fire nation place that's been taken over by the fire nation yeah we've seen people afraid of that happening and we've we saw omashu where that's not he he's got his city under control mm-hmm. now we're seeing an earth kingdom city that is not under control yeah the fire nation has taken over we see what effect that has on the people there, how he, how they like, you know, it's it's almost like a gangster movie with the Fire right? Nation busting down the door to take uh, oh, taxes.
1: Absolutely. And it makes sense why they go there, too. Like, the whole nut thing, I mean, besides being, like, good story progression, is like, it's a perfect reason for them to go to town. They need to get supplies.
0: Yeah, and think about being a bender and just seeing another bender, and then he runs away from you. I'm sure Katara wanted... Every time she sees a bender, I feel like she wants a little bit of some kind of a connection there because mm. she's the only bender from her village. And then when she meets Aang, he's like, I don't really know anything about water bending." Right. She's like, okay, maybe this, I don't know. I just, I feel like maybe she latches on to different benders because she's like, you need to understand that we have this connection. And that's like exactly what she does. She like busts down this dude's door. Imagine if that was how it was. If it, like, took place these days and all of a sudden Katara just, like, busts down your door and you're like, wait, what? Why did you just follow me into my
1: house? <laughs> right. She's like, I saw you earth bending. And it's right. just like, shush, shush. Shut, you know, shut, shut up. I love, can uh, you please quiet. like, half a second moment before she bursts in, like, when they're first in town. Did you notice Aang in the background go, hey, that's a great hat. I'll trade you some nuts for it. And that explains why he gets the hat to disguise himself. Like, he's trying to be smarter about it. I did not it.
0: notice it, he, but I noticed the hat on him, and I loved the hat.
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's awesome that they included that, like, just, like, reasoning behind him being able to just get a hat sort of out of nowhere. And also, yeah. he traded nuts for it. He was just like, here's three walnuts. Give me your hat. And it worked. Yeah,
0: The last of our food. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, he's got the charisma of, like, plus 20, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, and then um, when he peeks through the blinds and the Fire Nation is coming, act natural. That like the of
0: them. They all do, too. Even uh, Haru. Right. He's like never met these people in his life. And he just puts on this like, oh, I remember right. One of them's like about Aang to eat an apple. falls into the but bucket of water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <Aang> <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Haru's a great character. Yeah. I like Haru a lot. And I don't know, every time they add a character to the show, they don't it's not just like a stock character that we've seen before. Yeah. It's it's unique. I you wonder what's gonna happen with this guy. It's not predictable like what his character arc is gonna be. Oh. And it's still not even like totally complete. He's just a character that
1: we know and hope yeah. will come back. It's cool. I love the moment on the hill when he gives some backstory to his father and like explains all the people um, you know, all the earthbenders being taken away when he crushes the rock and and it turns to sand and like floats Oh. oh and he's talking about i only feel a connection with my father anymore he's been gone for so long i only feel him when i bend and that's partially why he does it but you can also tell he's doing it to like try and hone his craft to be able to fight back at some point like you can sense there's hope in him like he yeah. doesn't necessarily know that that's what it is. I think the reasoning he's giving himself is I feel the connection to my father. But there's the first inkling of hope, which is extremely important later. When Katara then
0: shows him the necklace that her mom gave her mm. and he's like, that's just not enough, though, is it? And she's like, no, it's not. Oh, I think that's a really that moment mature of mature moment in a show, yeah. you know, and I feel like a lot of other shows might go the route of not saying that being like, this is something my mom left me. And he'd be like, that's all we need. We can hold on to that. We have hope or whatever, Mm -hmm. but like, it's not enough. It's that simple, you know? And they understand that with each other. And that's really important later too. This, this is a great episode of setups and payoffs. Every episode does that, but this one, uh, does it in ways that you just don't expect it. Uh, they'll set something up in just a way that's like, Oh, that was a funny joke. And then in the end of the episode, it ends up being a payoff of a really climactic moment of the episode
1: or whatever. Mm -hmm. One setup pay. Well, I don't know if it's like a direct setup payoff, but I love that they get that connection, that moment on the Hill to trust each other a bit more. They build that right before they see the crushed mine and they go to help. And it makes sense why she has a little bit of sway on him in that scenario when this old man is being crushed by rocks he's trying to hold it up she's trying to get him out it's just not working and she says this there is one way to solve this and save this man hey um fuck that guy <laughs>
0: fuck that guy
1: <laughs> fuck that guy i hate that man. guy so much
0: he didn't even have the attitude of like
1: Before I get to it, I
0: want to take a tangent before I, because I have a rant about this guy. (laughs) Do it. But I just want to say a really funny moment. Right before all this goes down, when they first go into the barn, they're like, I'll make sure Appa doesn't eat all the hay. Oh, yeah. Appa (laughs) just has a mouthful of hay. And he just (laughs) stops for a second, looks at them, and then just (laughs) keeps eating it. Like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Beautiful. So back to the guy, fuck that guy. Uh, um, specifically because when he when he comes back to point out Haru and who he is Mm -hmm. he's not being dragged back like where's the guy we we captured you and forced you to tell us about this guy he definitely just like went up to the nearest firebender and was like hey I just got saved by an earthbender come on I'll show you where he is yeah like he's a dick he went out of his way to do that and I want to talk about that moment too And he was
1: Um, 100% going to fucking die under all those rocks. Yeah,
0: he would have died without Haru, and he just turns him in. And he doesn't even know if he's turning him into death, too. Like, for all he knows, they're, you know, being sent somewhere where they'll never come back. And he just saved his life. Um, When the soldiers are marching into, uh, like, their front yard, basically... It was so, this time watching it, I, I was reminded so much of Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Nazgul coming into the Prancing Pony.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: So, cuts to Fire Nation soldiers' uh, lanterns, and you're like, oh, shit's going down. Cuts to all of the uh, Team Avatar sleeping, and you're like, oh, shit, they're asleep. They don't know. Mm. And also, right before this, the last line that was spoken was literally... Uh, Saka being like, if we don't leave tomorrow, we're going to be eating fireballs. And then Katara mm-hmm. being like, I'd rather eat fireballs than more nuts. And they laugh about it. And you're like, <laughs> all right, so it's a joke. But like, they are worried the Fire Nation is going to come and get them. And then the next shot is Fire Nation coming. Then we see them sleeping. Then we see their soldiers. And then yeah. we see them sleeping and like tossing in their sleep. And then a knock on the door. So in my head, I'm realizing like, oh, the first time you watch this show... This is all being set up to make you think that they're coming to get them. Yeah. And then when the guy opens the door and it's Haru, you're like, wait, why are they knocking on Haru's door? Camera flips. Old fucker. And it's that old fucker. (laughs) (laughs) It is (laughs) genuinely, I couldn't have been angrier. You know, I can't believe they do that. Uh but yeah it's really really good filmmaking
1: there. I mean wow, yeah. I, the way they do that I, and I I was it, thrown for a loop in that way but I didn't register it. I'm glad you pointed that out, man. Yeah, it's something I don't think I would have
0: noticed unless we were doing this podcast and thinking about the actual way
1: that they set up the shots, you know? I love that this is as satisfying as it is, you know, like Yeah. We, we could too. very easily just be, you know, not able to find much more than oh, just Oh, it's so cool! This show's so good, <laughs> but those film like it's, it's well made, and the Very more you well break made. it down, the more you're able to see that, and I think that's a sign of good art. Uh, I just wanted to highlight in the barn before they go to sleep, that is one of the most beautiful lighting moments of this episode. We were oh, talking about yeah. that earlier, and oh my god, just the way the moonlight is coming in and cast over Appa, you get a perfect idea of the angle of the light the the colors involved are just gorgeous there's sort of almost a slight amber to the light coming in but it's still a cool blue scene to indicate night but early night and then another subtle thing the next morning when they get up katara has that dope moment uh bending the water out of the oh yeah i want to talk about that moment Ooh and then she looks up and sees Haru's mother the, i mean the shot of her framed looking off into the distance out to the water which is where the prison is i don't think we even know that at this point um oh, but that wow. is where the prison is she's is looking out to the to the ocean oh i've got chills knowing her son is gone through past sad. these mountains <laughs> and all she has to do is turn and a single tear shed And we know that they know everything.
0: Yeah. It's an unbelievable moment for many reasons, too, that I, like I said, for the last thing, wouldn't have even noticed had it not been for me, like, like thinking about it. Mm -hmm. We see her water bend the water into that pot. I think that's an important, like, thing because there's a water pump there. She could very easily, like, take her time to water pump it. By the way, kind of a cool little uh, world building detail. Hmm. It's just like a big rock jutting out of the ground. And then a water pump is built onto that rock. I like to think that Haru's dad earth bended a well and then put the the spout on top of it because it just looks like an earth bended rock. And I just think that's kind of cool. It's like uh, this episode has quite a few instances and that I think is a Secret first instance of bending other elements with your bending technique he earth bended to get water out of the ground I like later that a lot. we see air bending earth we see you know and I think that's like a little secret first one little little peek just just quick
1: uh factoid I was on the avatar fandom wiki and there's oh, cool. trivia fact at, uh, at the bottom of the page and one of the facts is this, is the first episode of the series that outside of the intro sequence we see all four elements being bended in an episode. Oh wow! Because you've got Katara water bending. That. That's so cool. You've got earth bending uh, throughout. You've got Ang air bending, and you've got the guards at the prison fire bending. Which is
0: yeah, no really fire bending in cool. Omashu. Yeah. So she er, she water bends elegantly, might I add, mm. all this water into the pot. And then when they cut to her realizing, you know, they, we see the mom with a tear in her eye. It's just a close-up of Katara's face knowing what happened. And then she drops the pot and we just see the pot yeah. shatter and water go everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like right before she knows what's going on, she's got complete control. She's like, mm. you know, she's good. And then as soon as that happens, it's, it's I don't know. it it, yeah. it To me, I think that it's important. Not important, but it's uh, it makes for a really hard-hitting moment. The fact that they go through her taking the time to bend the water. It's got the that music that always plays when guitar bends. That ding <laughs> ding yeah dun. totally. And then the mom churns and blah, the chord that plays just makes you genuinely sob. Yeah yeah that's. Ah, uh, oh, it's a fantastic moment. My, that might be my one of my favorite just, like, unspoken moments of the show. Hmm. No words need – no words spoken, just emotion.
1: And we know exactly what happened. And then we make our way to her fake bending, which is <laughs> kind of hilarious. I mean, the vents, which yeah. is a cool world, bend, uh, world building thing. Like, this is a coal town. That's why they took it over because they need coal to – Work their ships and everything, which is something that is brought up later on in a very significant way. Another setup payoff sort of thing. And Um, of
0: course, the Fire Nation wouldn't mine coal. The Earth Nation would do that. They just just take over an
1: Earth Nation town that does that. Yeah, it just makes sense in the world. What doesn't make sense is why the fuck. Aang, are you being so casual about this plan, dude? <laughs> She's like trying to get herself locked into prison. They've got everything set up, and he's just over there, like swirling a leaf or something. I forget what he's doing, but he's just like, Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, the keyword. Yeah, whatever. I'm like, Aang, come on, dude. I feel is... like
0: that is just Aang, you know? He I mean, genuinely... I... He hasn't taken, like, anything totally seriously unless it's, like, in the middle of a battle or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's just
1: like, it's fine. Katara's got it. I think that's <laughs> the kid showing through, you know? I mean, pl- because yeah, also, still... this is just a town they're passing through. I mean, he has caring uh, values, you know? He-, he has morals and stuff, but also... He's a kid, and we're just stopping through, and it's like Maru's go- or Haru is gone, and we don't even know where he went. And like Katara's trying to get herself locked up in prison. It's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I suppose it kind of <laughs> makes sense, but I'm also like, dude, they're trying to do a plant. They've helped yeah, like, you with on, so man. much. <laughs> All
0: you have to do is one thing. Uh, I also, I was thinking about it, and it opens just questions when, as soon as he uh, does the technique airbending earth Mm -hmm. it just immediately makes you go could they do that in other ways and then the episode does do it Mm -hmm. in other ways which we'll get to Mm -hmm. but i think that this show does that so well making you go oh that's kind of a cool little thing that they did kind of an interesting concept i wonder if they could develop that further and then they will eat sometimes like this episode in the same episode and it uh it's not in like this completely like oh, now we can do anything. It's like little progressions, getting slowly better and better at being able to cross bending platforms, I guess you could call it.
1: Uh, I love Katara and Sokka's fake argument. (laughs) You giant-eared cretin! Herds of animals must use those for shade! (laughs) (laughs) poor guy he's probably like
0: genuinely hurt yeah. and he goes up he's like yes. momo's ears are big <laughs>
1: right. yeah. oh god momo <laughs> i love that the guard like they could very easily have made a thing where the guards just don't notice at all but the guards are just like oh is is that lemur airbending and then they're like no it's katara and they're like oh oh yeah okay yeah yeah they're all embarrassed too like yeah. right <laughs> their cheeks turn red yeah and then we see this prison for the first time. How? And we are terrifying. <sighs> like a it's really just... imposing
0: design,
1: you know? Yeah.
0: And it, and it's all metal. So they're just
1: fucked. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that sucks. I love oh. Yeah, I love that detail. They have designed yeah. this prison to be sure that the earthbenders can't do anything.
0: Just a metal prison in the middle of the water.
1: And it's this big like bulbous thing with a tower at the top and you can see the courtyards at the bottom where the prisoners like are definitely kept and you, you get just from the design of the building that the administration is in this upper section and the prisoners are being kept below and they have courtyards that they can walk on. But um. <laughs> I love <laughs> Sokka and Ang or an Appa flying out watching her, like, the boat that she's on being taken to the prison, Sokka says, don't worry, hang Katara knows what she's doing. And I'm like, why? <laughs> she <what? laughs> she got herself locked into a Fire Nation, like, federal prison.
0: She has no idea what's going to be in there. <laughs>
1: she's in way over her head. But, okay. I yeah, mean, yeah have faith, I guess.
0: A lot of confidence in her for uh, having never been locked up in a prison before (laughs) um and yeah that's when we're introduced to in my i think so far at least but we'll we'll come back to this at some point to see if it still remains true later the best voice on this freaking show i forgot like he opens his mouth and then it's just guitar it's so i can't even try to do i'm not even going to be able okay it's so good.
1: I know you're talking about Kevin Michael Richardson, but there's a voice before that. George Takei, the guard, the main, the 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 prison, the warden, the warden. That's George Takei, dude. I that I didn't even know that. Yeah. Wow, they got everyone on this show, and he has another like very distinct voice. As soon. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm a big fan of his in general, but yeah, as soon as I heard. His, his voice, I was like, George Takei, hell yeah, I totally forgot that. <laughs> and then that feeling was, uh, that feeling was beaten by the feeling of Kevin Michael Richardson's voice. Just oh Haru taking gosh. taking her over to his father and just being like, father, this is Katara. And he just, here, here have some bread. I forget what he says the first thing. But yeah, it's, it's like, like some dinner. Oh. And also, yeah. this dude has been in everything. He's been in so like seriously. I he's been in Skyrim games. He's been in every animated show you. I can saw ever he imagine. was in
0: like fifty Batman things. Yeah. Who is I mean, he in Batman? Is he
1: Batman? I have no or idea. Or he but, could be anyone. I don't he care. Has he's got a, the best voice, a very distinctive voice. But he also has lots of variation. Like his voice in Gravity Falls is completely different than his voice here, and uh, he's got like a serious tone. That's this dramatic voice. Here you go, Katara. And then he's got this oh, yeah, kind of in... goofy voice that he does when he's doing more cartoon oh, characters.
0: That's... It's like... And he's in Lilo and Stitch, too, yeah, is what, one of the things uh, I remember him prominently from. Gone too, I think? I just remember I when I like saw him and thought of his voice and imagining Lilo Stitch, it just works, you know? I yeah. can just imagine it.
1: But how effective he is here and how efficiently we know immediately that he is the leader of these people, you know? it takes yeah. his interaction with her and the way he carries himself and the way he speaks and then one interaction of like the guy coming up and being like what are we going to do about this you know and he says i'll try and handle it and get more blankets oh and then his speech to her before she tries to like rally the troops about we are in survival mode and i i don't want to get preachy or political here at all and also i want to say like uh, uh the sort of message in this episode is that this is not the healthiest way to go about things and that we should stand up for ourselves and obviously in the current climate uh being able to uh stand up for ourselves and like help other people is staying inside but just his speech about we're in survival mode here we are only worried about what keeps us alive from day to day right now and i just thought objectively that is something that resonates right now i just found that 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 just stuck out to me as very interesting absolutely yeah
0: yeah absolutely uh and then her speech even i know it doesn't work right but it's
1: good it's It's a good speech and the thing is it doesn't work but there's subtle things about the animation of the people listening as she's talking that leads me to believe it is hitting a little i mean their eyes are kind of downtrodden But they specifically make two different people, while she's talking, lift their head a little bit. Like, same expression, but they lift their head a little bit. They are lifted. Just that little movement. That little bit. But there's too much fear in the scenario that they're in.
0: And they're looking for, uh, I can't, I wish I would have written his name down, maybe you did, Haru's dad, probably. Uh, I mean, as soon as he looks up, that's going to be something that, you know, would rally everyone, but... Mm -hmm. Just Katara, they don't even know her, you mm-hmm. know? Her words inspire hope, but she doesn't yet. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's really cool that her speech is good enough to do that, but not quite good enough to work. Uh, yeah. It's it's something I, I feel like watching the show for the first time, you're like, ah, oh, she's going to give a speech, and they're all going to f- come up, and they're all going to fight. Mm. But then it just doesn't work. And mm. you almost think they're going to leave she goes to ang and they're on appa and she's like last moment this is our chance she's like no i won't leave and then and then saka's just he's the best brother it's a kind of a callback to that first uh or second episode of the show when she's like i'm going to go find ang right now and then he's like i'm coming with you and he's you know she's like i won't i'll do it no matter what you say it's kind of similar where he's like i hate it when you get like this yes, let's go write that
1: line down too Yeah, I hate it when you get like this, but also you can tell he respects it, because he's going along with it, and he's kind of like, ah, being dragged into it, but he respects it. But it's also, his difference of the way he handles things is set up, it's another set up payoff at the beginning of the episode, when they hear the noises, he says, "Uh, shouldn't we be going away from the huge booms? And it's like, that's the way he handles it, you know? But they are mm-hmm. the ones who want to get in the thick of it, find out what's going on.
0: And another character thing, there's a lot of great character building in this episode. Mm. Aang, uh, a few minutes later, says uh, when they're trying to come up with a plan, he just comes up with a shit plan. <laughs> He's like, I wish I, could, I wish I could create a hurricane. And they just give him... <laughs> It's similar face to like- Sokka flat mouth, hungry face. <laughs> it's just like a, like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, right. then, you know, it would make him run away and we could steal his keys. And Sokka's like, you just take his keys with him. Or Katara says that. Or... That moment to me, too, is similar to earlier when he's, you know, when they're executing the plan and he just doesn't really take it seriously. Yeah, It's almost like he doesn't know to take it seriously. And in this moment, when he's trying to think of this Like, let's think of a real plan here to help these people. He's like, I could make a hurricane. Like, he just doesn't quite get it yet, you know? It emphasizes him
1: taking the backseat in this episode.
0: Yeah, and that's something we've needed, you know? Because it's the Avatar, the last airbender. But in reality, it's Sokka and Katara taking him in their group, you know? Yeah. And we're seeing now, like, he's not the guy we turn to for answers. He's just the guy that gives us hope, you know? Right now, I feel like Sokka is, like, the main man with plans. And Katara is, like, the one with the uh, ambition to, like, help people and execute plans. And Aang is still kind of like, can we just, like, airbend marbles? (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. He's still kind of in that mode. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really cool. We've talked about little moments. I wonder if they do it almost every episode. or It's often where an episode will have a thing happen that like a little filmmaking technique that doesn't really come back. Or if it does, it only comes back one more time mm. when they go over their plan. It's like mm. an ocean's 11 heist scene. Yeah. They like right. the camera, like zooms in on them when they're doing, you know, like, yeah. and then, and it's just, it felt like, you know, this is how we're going to do it. And this is how it's going to execute. And then they don't show it again when they actually execute the plan. It merges with right. them actually doing it. Yep. And I it, it just, I think that's so cool that they do that and I don't think that ever happens again.
1: I just love the show. Also, before they get into the montage, just a tiny little detail that I liked a lot as they're planning it out. Momo is on Aang's back and you see him like shift around and like look around watching, keeping a lookout and then he like goes up and peeks through a hole in the wall keeping watch for them. I just love that he's like even serving a purpose here. Wow, know?
0: I didn't I think notice that's really that. Really cool. That is, and he serves more purpose later too he he is fully becoming like a team member, not just mm-hmm. a pet of mm-hmm. the team, and I think that's something the show does well is with their animals is often they'll have an animal be like, "Oh, that's scary, we need to run away from it, or uh, you know, that's a wild animal I don't but they don't really often show um animals as a pet that is treated like. You know, less than like even pets on this show are like like a family member, mm. and uh, it's. I think that's really lovely being able to depict animals like that in a in a fantastic world. You know, yeah, they could go any way they want, and they chose to go with. You know, these animals are, have personalities; they have souls, right? And I love that.
1: Very cool. Oh, and then once the plan does go through, oh, I love that. Haru's hope as I was referring to earlier like you get the implication of that from him training himself in earthbending, practicing those things and he is the reason that they decide to fight back because she gives another speech and they are dejected and then the prison uh, what do you call it? George Takei. The warden. The warden, yeah. The warden is an especially especially a dick (laughs) and then haru is the one that decides to break the earthbending seal and he throws the rock at him and he's twirling the rocks around and then he the warden strikes back and the wall comes up and his father is going to save haru and his father getting involved is what gets everyone involved so it's not like she inspires it never worked her i mean it help eff- it it helped push them towards being able it. to do that but the chain yep. of events was her making a connection with Haru Haru sticking up for himself because he has hope inspiring other people and his father saving his son and his father being the leader of them all to get involved that is why they all decide to fight back i love that
0: it is yeah it's unbelievable uh and it's tiny But the rock he throws is like the exact same rocks he's showing Katara when he's describing his Mm. connection with his father through earthbending, which you were describing just now as like his hope. Yeah. So he like he thought of his hope and then threw it at the firebender.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) That was him having hope again and connecting to his
1: dad. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) If I fan out anymore, I'm going to turn into foaming mouth guy. (laughs) (laughs) they they fire these you know they throw clumped up rocks at them they fire pellets and it's coal too so it starts on fire sometimes yeah right like some fires break out ang's coal cannon that that's what
0: i was saying earlier you know how they they show us like okay ang is able to airbend earth right now that you know that Mm -hmm. you think like okay would they ever do that again probably not this isn't the kind of show that oh yes Yes, not only does he realize that too he's come up with this awesome technique to do it and he freaking shoots it out of a cannon and then i don't know if you noticed but towards the end of the episode uh We'll get, you know, we'll get there, but a little thing in the end of the episode, Aang at one point is like just floating a rock casually with air. It's got like a, you can see, you know, like the air ball that he rides around on sometime. Yeah. It's like a similar animation to that, but it's just a rock and he's literally just holding his hand out and, Mo- and like Momo is trying to get it and he's like playing with Momo. But it's to me, it's the, the perfect arc of him learning how to essentially earth bend with air. Throughout this episode, because the first moment is him doing it because it's their plan and it's like, okay, I can try this out and then it works. Second moment, it's like this team effort and him using his airbending in a creative way. And then the third time he's doing it naturally, just playing with Momo with a rock, airbending some earth. Hmm. And we haven't seen him do that in the past, but now he realizes like, oh, this is just another thing I can do with airbending. He's like that masterful with airbending. I think the show... You forget how good he is at airbending. But when you think about that, like, if it was Katara doing all this stuff with waterbending, we would be amazed. Right. He's, he's pretty much a master already. Yeah. And he's 12. Right. This dude, you know, he's a an exceptionally good bender. And it's easy to forget that because, you know, you just, you think he's the avatar. Of course he is. But no, like, he's, that's not the avatar that's making him able to do that. He's just a great, great airbender.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So the moment, <laughs> the moment we alluded to a couple times, by the way, with Momo is him catching those spears. I assume, I think that is so cool. Wait, him catching how that? catching the broken spears? Or were you not? I was kind of alluding to that earlier when I was saying, uh, Momo like helping them out and he's become a team. Then when they execute the plan, Saka and Momo do a thing like a te- like a technique together where Saka uses his boomerang to break a spear and then throws the spear in the air. And then Momo flies overhead and catches it with his tail and he catches all the spears and gathers them up. And I just think that that is brilliant. It's so cool. And it's like, I didn't notice the moment you were talking about with Momo keeping look, but this is another, uh, this whole episode just has a lot of arcs. We've got Momo learning how to become a t- member of the team. We've got mm. Aang learning how to airbend masterfully using Earth. Mm. We've got Katara learning how to, like, this is, like, the episode where she becomes Katara. She's yeah. Katara now. You know what I mean? And uh, we've got, uh, I feel like is one of the only characters in this episode who is just, all he's been established. Well, now, but he's got he an just... arc
1: of c- confirming his acceptance of who the other people in the team are and not fighting back so much. Like at the beginning of the episode, he's like, shouldn't we be going away from the huge booms? And by the end, he's like, I'm going
0: along with the plan. I'm going with you.
1: Yeah, you're right. Everyone has a great arc in this episode. I think it's very cool that there's a little moment of Haru talking to Katara. And he says, I forget the exact line, but he says something along the lines of like, that is the avatar. Right. And you see this sort of hope in him in another way and i like that this is laying the groundwork of the word of the avatar being spread not just like to the fire nation who's finding out that he's back and is a threat but also to the people of the world giving hope that there can be change to this hundred year war
0: yeah like in her first speech she says i can tell you the avatar has returned and i almost Mm -hmm. forgot until she said that like when he did that thing where all the statues glowed, that only really happened where there are statues. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, beams of light just shot up <laughs> everywhere in the world. Right. <laughs> so, like, most people still don't know. And yeah. I forget that. And you're right. That, that moment is uh, excellently done, too. Because it's subtle. It's not like a... she then goes, did you not realize Do you have hope now? He just, like, has a look on his face. And that mm-hmm. look is all you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juxtaposed by... The final shot, which is, in my opinion, Mm. up until this point, the first time we feel genuine oh shit about Zuko. He picks up this necklace. We see, like, the necklace. We see him pick it up, and then the camera moves up. And the way that the sunset is, like, glowing on him, and the way his hair is now, I don't know if it's just, like, a little longer at this point, Mm -hmm. or the way they animated it, the way his face is shaped. There's just something about it, like, he they animated him just a little different for that moment, mm. I think, and it just makes him an actual threat for the first yeah. time. Because up until this point, he has been a threat that you could <laughs> doink 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 in the head with a, you know. <laughs> right. It's like really you feel that even in his first moment where he's like, "You don't understand, Uncle. I have to capture the Avatar." I You're like, the Avatar. Uh, <laughs> "You almost feel like, is this really the bad guy?" Right. But now I'm like, "Oh God, that's the bad guy."
1: Yeah. Plus, it's also the first. I don't know if it's the first. I mean, we've had details carry over episodes, like the fact that his ship gets fucked up and then when he, when he goes back to the Fire Nation base, his ship is still messed up um, and stuff like that. There have been things carrying over, but this is the first plot point. Well, also we've had very episodic. I mean, Southern Air Temple, uh, Warriors of Kiyoshi, the the King of Omashu, these have been very episodic. But this is the Bit first like, big plot point that is part of the overarching storyline that is vitally important. That's just a small detail, but it's incredibly important. She has left yeah. her necklace, the item most valued to her, behind. And Zuko has it. And that means he knows where they are and that they're close. Ooh, ooh, ooh.
0: It's one of the hardest episodes to end without being able to just jump into the next one for sure
1: we might have to start doing these more often garer
0: (laughs) speaking of which uh next week's episode is a two-parter yeah Um, i'm so psyched i'm assuming we're gonna do that in uh one episode just like we did the first so slightly extended if you're listening right now stay tuned for that next week we're gonna do a two-part episode it won't be that much longer but it will be you know a chunk longer and uh, watch both of those episodes when you get to that point. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to point that out before I forgot. The
1: Spirit World arc. A couple other announcements or like things looking forward. Firstly, I think we highlighted it in the last episode. But if you're looking forward to being able to listen along, or if you already have been listening along but haven't been watching the show, the entire series is coming to Netflix on May 15th. Um, All the episodes will be available, which is fantastic. I'm so excited to be able to tell people to start watching. And if they haven't started listening, you know, come on, join the bandwagon. Listen to the episodes as you watch along. Um, And another announcement that I think think it'd be cool if we highlight on this podcast. Absolutely. Gary and I and our two other best friends since high school, Dustin and Sam, are starting a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Uh I spent most of yesterday editing the first episode. We're almost almost finished and that'll be going up uh I don't know. I've yet to decide what day of the week we should be releasing that, but in the next couple days. Stay tuned. Be looking for yeah. that.
0: Uh and if you're wondering where to find it, because right now you're probably listening to us on Spotify. Ho ho, ho then just go to legendary4.com it's our new website that we started to showcase things like this podcast that podcast calvin over here is too humble to tell you but he's got some music that is great and also on the website so gary's yeah, got some uh, check it out. movie
1: reviews and short films that he's not going to tell you about but you should definitely check out there's something in the Double. woods him and i made this film together but i mean it's it's gary's baby he wrote he wrote it and directed it Um, I just helped create it. But seriously, that's the first thing you should watch if this is all news to you and you haven't already found it. Please go watch that and uh, just support our art and leave some comments and let us know what you think.
0: Yeah, check it out. We'd really appreciate it. But we'll put that uh, D&D podcast up on Spotify as well. Just in case this is like an easier method for you to listen to so you can lock your phone screen or whatever. I know, you know. Some people have an easier time with that. So, yeah, yeah we'll put them both up there. Anyway. Uh, should be in the next week or so.
1: I believe this is uh, through Spotify as well. Give us a rating or something. I think that's a thing, right? Send an email off as well and let us know what you think or if you have any suggestions to legendary 4 CDGS at gmail.com that's all one word it's calvin dustin gary sam in alphabetical order but it's legendary for cdgs let us know what you think of either of these podcasts and uh anything you'd like to see more of
0: uh, i think that's a good uh place to bring us to our little last segment of the episode kid moment of the um, week um kid moment of the week so every episode we do a little moment kind of just you know, kind of giving a a pay of respect to uh, an, a choice in either the animation or the writing, the style of comedy that one might deem more uh, geared towards an audience uh, of a younger base, I will say. And um, that's like part of what makes this show so great is that it's able to connect with the younger audience and us. We're, you know, both like 23 and we still love this show. So we kind of hey, give nods to those moments. Up. My birthday's coming hey, up. Hey, yours is too. <laughs> Birthday month. Yeah. Fucking uh, me. So I don't know. This this week was definitely not like a comedy episode. Every episode has a lot of comedy in it. But I mean, last week was like the funniest episode of the season maybe. So <laughs> this week might have a, some more like rare random moments. But uh, I've got one on my mind that I think might be my favorite little funny yeah. kid moment in the show. Do you got, what do you got?
1: I have one that I just wanted to highlight because I, I liked it and we didn't touch on it yet. Um, when the warden George Decay, he's uh, the, the guards are like, Hey, we saw a sky bison. And he's like, was it a bison or was it a Buffalo? And they're like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. What's the difference? And he just fucking throws him throws overboard. The ca- <laughs> <laughs> and then the, and <laughs> and it's it's like, the captain, get me the captain. Oh, uh, that was the captain. Well, find someone I haven't thrown overboard and get them to handle this. I just think that's <laughs> hilarious. What? Uh, but I think my personal preference, my personal moment would have to be uh, Appa eating the hay. That is also mine. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's so come funny. On.
0: And I definitely, you know, these. Uh, this little segment, I, I think it's hard to sometimes determine, like, Are we just talking about the funniest moment in the episode or actually like our favorite kid moment? That is a great uh, example of like both because it definitely made me laugh my butt off as a little kid watching this show because it's just another, like you were saying, guy hungry is always (laughs) hilarious. And Appa is just a big old guy who is (laughs) really, really hungry. (laughs) So it's extra funny and uh there's something about just them having him stop for a second and then keep munching yeah well i hope you had a good time joining us on this week's episode of a new lens i'm gary i'm calvin
1: catch you next time but there's the first inkling of hope which is extremely important later um absolutely Oh. oh my god it just broke the fuck out of my chair. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. I'll just have to sit like this for the rest of this. I'll fix that later. I've been honestly, I've been waiting for that to happen since I bought this chair. It's it's a cheap Target chair.
0: Classic Target. Um,
1: <laughs> who are we talking about?